Hey friends and welcome to another episode of Fresh Aesthetic, the show where we embark on the search for truth and meaning through creativity, art and pop culture. I'm your host Stephen Garton and I'm joined by my co-host and longtime friend Matt Goodat. In our last conversation we discussed the inception of an idea and how to put yourself in the way of inspiration. We also discussed navigating the balance between getting excited about a new idea and holding space for healthy criticism of that idea as well. In today's episode, we continue on in the creative process by talking about how to progress an idea forward into a more refined version of itself. We also discuss the benefits of collaboration along with the vulnerability required to offer up your ideas to other people for critique. I'm so glad you're here today. If you enjoy this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend and leaving a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. But enough of me talking and on to the episode. Let's hit it. Hello, Mr. Goodat. G'day, Mr. Garten. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. And I'm posing you with a very big question at the beginning of this. I love it. One that I just thought of. Netflix used to be the red giant of streaming. Yes, I've heard some things coming out about them. So how the hang? Like nowadays there's so many subscriptions. There's Apple TV, there's Disney, there's Prime, there's um, Neon if you're in New Zealand or, you know, there's other ones as well. How did these other ones get a foothold and what weaknesses did they exploit in Netflix to do that? Because Netflix was just crushing everyone. Like, nobody could compete. Maybe they got lazy. I don't know. I don't know enough about it to give you a solid answer. But just my casual thoughts as a passive consumer of media, um, their content is trash. Like, mm. the majority of their content is filler. Well, that's what it comes across like. Whereas ones like Apple TV, um, even Disney now are getting pretty good with just putting out banger after banger of good show yeah, and great movies. Um, and I love that about Apple TV in particular is that they are very careful about what they put out and everything that they're putting out is of really high quality. So you know that when you go on there, there's a standard that they're going to keep. It's almost like a TV station back in the day, like... Um, they would be very picky about what they, they put on. And I I noticed the difference in Netflix when they started producing their own stuff. Um, it got quite good. And you were like, oh, man, like if, if it's a Netflix one, it's good. But then something happened. And you're right, they just started like pumping out Netflix ones and you'd watch it and you'd be like, meh. You know, like, oh, I didn't. Yeah, you'd be scrolling through and there's tons and tons of content, but it's not great you're just like is there anything worth watching on here and then it's when you relevant. get that in your head you kind of just avoid it and go to something else like we have a netflix subscription but we you know we don't really even watch much on there mm. um, it's, a, it's a real like every now and again i'll find something like i'm watching the sinner at the moment and um it's pretty full on but um it, i'll find something and be like oh man it's um 
how haven't I discovered this before? And then I'll finish it. And then I've got another six months, you know, until <laughs> something comes up. Yeah. And from the ones that, like, this is very anecdotal evidence, but from people I talk to, it's similar things of, of like, you, you, you're thinking about, it's like when we're thinking of getting rid of Facebook, you know, you talk to people and they're like, Oh, I'm thinking of getting rid of Facebook, but I really like messenger and I have a lot of groups on there. So I keep my account for that. It's like that with Netflix. You're like, yeah, I just, there's a few shows and movies that come up every now and then that I really want to watch on there. So I keep my account for that. Yeah, absolutely. I, like there is a few good ones that I'm like um, hanging out for Space Force um, season three. Um, Did you like season two? I, I haven't, I've struggled to get into season two. Um, yeah, it did. But I think the whole thing, you have to watch it in the in the right mood yeah you it's do very you do have to be in the right mood for it it's i the thing that i appreciate about it is how well written it is like the lines and the the space they don't just have you know these shows that they're just constantly making jokes and it's like oh just give it a break mm. whereas in space Force, they've got that balance of seriousness at points and then just like humor that is almost uh to the uh, to maybe a foreigner who comes into this culture and doesn't know it, they'd miss the jokes. And I love that. I love that it's just like a little subtle sort of like, um, you know, it, do you see the one where they're pushing the, at the very beginning, they're pushing the the chairs down the hallway? Yeah. Like, it's just just so funny. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. These guys who are like government officials pushing down the hallway, you know, it's just really funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, so we're here today recording a podcast in the daytime. This is uh, quite a change for us. We're normally recording at night. Yeah. Feels like a, another world. I wondered how the dynamics would change. Yeah, yeah. It might same. be more awake. <laughs> um, and we're talking about the refinement of an idea. So last time we talked about birthing an idea, how to get in the way of an idea, put yourself in the way of inspiration. And... Today we're looking at how to refine that idea that you have and realize that just because you got an idea doesn't mean it's going to go and stay in that stage or it's going to catch on in that stage. You have to edit it. Yeah. So what do you think about that? When you have an idea, um, can you think of an idea you've had that you've then got, had to go and refine and maybe change a few things? Absolutely. Do on the last episode that we did on this, did I, I told you this, the lolly shop idea? You did, yep. Okay, so that's died. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? So there is a lolly shop that opened up in town. Maybe they listened to this podcast. Maybe they were like, freaking let's do it. But um, I haven't been to it yet, but I've seen it's just re re been released. And um, it's not the same vibe as I was going for. And I think they're trying to get into a catering market more, like catering for kids' parties and and um, uh, weddings and things like that. But but it's still a lolly shop. So there was a confirmation that I was like, oh, I was on the right track. There's a loop in the – there's a hole in the market. But um, – Can I just interject real quick here? Yeah. Um, I just think this is funny for – because we're kind of an anomaly here in Whangarei. We've got this, this like, you don't have to stand out above the noise as much. Like, you think about in a another city, right, and you're trying to open, say, a, I don't know, a bar or a gelato shop or 
a, I don't know, a lolly shop. And you're like, you wouldn't be like, oh, no, somebody else has done it. Therefore, I can't do it. <laughs> it's just, just struck me as you were talking is it's like, it's very much a Whangarei thing where if you, or a small town thing where you're like, oh, if somebody else has done it, oh, I can't do it now. Yeah, well, it's just like there's not a big enough population to compete. And me- there is enough to compete. You could compete, but you'd be like fighting, you know, you'd be like, Oh, they took one customer from me, you know, like, uh, oh, it's going to be a tough week this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It, it is that funny size of town that um, a funny size of town that, that that problem does exist. And so, yeah, I kind of threw that one under the bus. But the, the, he, but here's the point is that um, I instead of going, nah, that sucked, I was first of all, I was like, okay, it was a good idea because other people are doing it. And I heard somebody once say, when you have an idea and somebody else does it, it's a confirmation um, that, well, it might not work, but at least it's a confirmation that there, you you were onto something. So the next thing I thought was, okay, well, I still have this idea that I want to start another business. I still have this idea that I don't want it to be uh, – um, like I'm doing furniture at the moment. I want it to be in a different industry. And so I'd started with this idea of a lolly shop and I thought to myself when I heard this is, had been done was, okay, what was it that I wanted to, why, why a lolly shop? And number one, I love lollies. But number two, I was like, I just want to make something that people just walk into and as an experience and so the next thought I have is, well, what if I change the, what else can do that? And so the next thought I want to think about is a, is a kombucha bar, because that was sort of something that had been on the, in the background, and now it's come to the forefront. And so I'm thinking about a mobile van now. But this is a great example of how ideas change the idea is the inception and then you hit these things and it begins to change and it can look entirely different. Like if I said to you, I'm thinking of a kombucha bar, that you would be uh, like a lolly shop and a kombucha bar, two totally different things, but they actually stemmed from the same idea. They just adapted as they went. And I think that's the process of working an idea through is it ends up looking uh, and it, I think it should do, it ends up looking very different in the implementation. And I might say that next podcast, um, I'll say, no, you know how I had the idea for a kombucha bar? Well, now I'm opening a, um, uh, a brothel. <laughs> maybe maybe there must be a mole like but people coming in they're we'll, happy we can we can test this if somebody opens a kombucha bar in the next two weeks we'll get really suspicious yeah yeah that's right um, yep. but i had a thought as well that um you could be a mole now and learn from the mistakes of whatever lolly shop this is that's opened mm. and that you've almost got the upper hand now you can look and go what's working for them what's not working how are the public reacting to this lolly shop um, interview some of their customers. Oh, this is great. <laughs> like under the like, oh, I'm doing an interview for Fungaray businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you could, I would, yeah, get in there, <laughs> get in the shop and just look around and be like, how are people taking this? Yeah. 
how are people responding to this idea? What's your, um, just for, for the purpose of research for Funger 8, what's your turnover and uh, how much money are you making? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then lo- the location, like where has, do you know, where, where is this lolly shop opened? Yes, in a strange location for yeah, a lolly yeah, where shop. where is it? It's in Lorry Hall Car Park. Okay. and But I think the only reason why they're managing to do that is I think it's because they're trying to hit the catering industry. They're okay. not trying to get foot traffic as much. Yeah, and there's another thing of like you might be able to hit a different part of the market if you just look at what they're doing and mm. observe how that's going for that part of the market. You could deliberately aim for another part. Yeah. But I think the the thought here is that like the creativity here – well, it might now go into a dip, be funneled into a different area of where can I go that there isn't a thing already. Yeah. So I don't know. And the kombucha bar, I I I do really like that idea, and I would totally go there. But I, I don't know. Maybe we are ready for it. Maybe this town is ready for it. I think I don't know if it would work as a fixed location. That's my thought. I think you'd have to have an old. You know, you get those stylish. Um, ice cream van things, you know, uh, or shipping containers or whatever it is. I think you'd have to do it like that. Um, so that number one, you can move for big holidays and things like that. Um, and number two, so you can take it to really cool locations. Like, um, I'm going to talk with the council this week and ask them like, Hey, what's the deal with, you know, locations where I can put stuff like that and hit a target audience. But um, you're right. I don't know. I don't know if it would work as like uh, people actually have to go out of their way to find this bar because they love kombucha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be in in the eye line, eh? Um, But when when you're taking an idea and refining it, I guess you... You have to have that critical mindset that we we came at last week of being open to changing it and not being so romantically attached to it that you think this is my precious, mm. that it can't be edited or changed at all. You have to be almost quite ruthless and go, what is the the essence of this and what is the golden seed here? What is the beautiful or, or the part of this that's really like making it work? And I think one of the parts that would be making this work and the lolly shop work is you're going for a part of the market that's not oversaturated. Mm. Like if you were going, Hey, I've had this really cool idea. I want to open a new cafe. I'd be like, "Mm, yeah, you know what I mean? Cafes. Yeah. It's pretty saturated. Yeah. And everybody expects it. It's like, Oh, another cafe. Okay. Yeah. You sort of see it in the street and you go, Oh, new cafe. I might check that out. Yeah, yeah. But if it's like like Astro Boy, the bar that opened up, I don't know how long ago, but it really targets an area that is non-existent in Whangarei. Like, tell me about Astro Boy. Uh, Astro Boy. Astro it's, Boy. It's, it's like, it's a bar that, I don't know, it's more, you know, we've got the Butter Factory, which is more aimed at, I guess, older middle-class older people maybe millennials yeah. up yeah but astro boy is like more of an auckland vibe where it's got i don't know the music is very different 
there's lots of neon in there. There's um, right. the, the the menus are an anime sort of uh, graphic novel stylistic oh, thing, and it's very it, cool. It, it, yeah, I it's can very cool. See the issue with it being in Fungeray. Yeah, no, but it was cranking like it. It was going off. Like, Where is it? It's on Bank Street, but okay. it's. It's really hit a so it's it's looked at what's what's already there and then it's targeting something that's that's just completely missing an an aspect of the market that's nobody's hitting. Yeah, I I'm interested to see longevity of that. I think it um, Fungare's population growth has it's put it in a unique position that there's a gap in the market in so many places because it's grown so fast. Yeah. And um, good on them for taking that. I'm interested how that will work with that because um, I don't know if Fungeray has quite yet got the the urban street vibe. I think it surprises you. Like I was at Loco the other night and it was absolutely going off. Like yeah, there were so many people there. Yeah, and it's it was, a cool place. It was the same with Astro Boy. It was a vibe. Okay, I'm like going to have to check this out. You got there and you're like, man, I feel like I'm part of something. I feel like mm. there's just something cool is happening here. Do and you remember Tiffany's? No. The oh, actually, you yes, said Underground one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never went there because it seemed lame. It's, it, it, had, it had a vibe for, for old its time. People, for its yeah. time. And it just like, because it was this hidden, hidden away underground cafe. And that was like... You know, 15, 20 years ago, that was cool in Whangarei. Like, oh, there's a little hidden place in the CBD. And all the little nanas go there and gossip. And, uh, <laughs> but it's true. It's funny. Like, where do they go and all gossip now? Because, like, if you could create a, if you were an older demographic, if I was in my 50s and I had, a, I wanted a business idea, I'd be like, well, how do I get gossiping nannies together? Skyadopides, the old plant shop. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what was the cafe next to that? Jolt. Jolt. That was a that was a good one for Oh man for the, boomers and up. The gossip. It still is. I still go there when I'm taken there by boomers. <laughs> <laughs> Where should we meet? Oh, oh Jolt. They I'm all like, just oh, okay. Yeah. Like why why there? Like out of all the cafes, you chose that one. It's not even like on the way to anything. Yeah, it feels like one of those cafes that's like a road stop roadside cafe on the way to Auckland or on the way to another yeah. town, you know, where they've got this vibe about them. Everything's yeah. like red and <laughs> it just has, you know, the style of saucer and cup that they have is just it's all damp i feel like going there and i'm like it's all damp just because the plants i guess oh okay interesting yeah and the style of tables it's all oh, got a very particular tables. vibe to it yeah. doesn't it yeah yeah i mean they're cashing in on the the uh the that generation so good on them yeah yeah i mean we're gonna be a whole do you ever get like i'm afraid that i'm gonna be that that audience yeah, yeah, yeah. That that <laughs> that we're like loving our thing, and we'll be an Astro Boy in fifty years. Yeah, like, the young, Astro Boy. The younger generation is going. Oh, it's just got this vibe to it. It's just so <laughs> so weird. Daryl Light will stuff you. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So you're. This feels to me like more pivoting on an idea, whereas you know you have one, and then you're like, okay, that's not going to work. I need to pivot to something else. But it's the, along I, the same lines, but it's not like 
Do you know what I mean? Like you're not yeah, necessarily I, taking uh, it and refining it down to a. But I think I think that is the refinement, and I think that's the misconception we've made, and that's what I was trying to do. The, the you know point out with the lolly shop is that an, an idea that is refined looks so different. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And it involves like pivoting is a tool in the toolbox of refining an idea. It's not a separate process. It's, yeah. So if you were writing a song, it would be like mm. you start off. I don't know, with a country song. And then you're like, actually this would work better as a heavy metal song. Yeah. And it's, and like what makes it a linear or not linear, what makes it the, the same idea? What's the thread? And the thread I think is the intent. It's the intent of, okay, I want to make a song about um, a barber who falls in love with a client in his chair and but the the external outworking, you might end up with a a jingle. Yeah. Know? Okay. And and that's that's interesting. So then, that to me would be the start of the refinement. But then from there, I think you would kind of funnel in and narrow it down and refine yeah. smaller and smaller things rather than jumping a humongous thing like a genre of music or yeah or a or a type of business you know yeah. what you're going to sell it's going to be like well what what sort of kombucha am i going to sell am i going to make my own am i going to mm. just be importing in other people's yeah and that's yeah that is like the um the queue of the queue of questions that has to come up in an idea that you have to address one by one. And sometimes there's, there's the inability to do it systematically and you sort of have to do a couple at a time and go, well, look, if, if for example, you know, the, the analogy of the, uh, the barber falling in love with this person and you write, you've got to write a song about it and it goes down to, okay, well, um, Am I wanting to address some social issues here? What if we do? What if we make this song about um, cross-cultural? Uh, they don't speak the same language, and you know, I add in all these dynamics. Well, that's going to open up a whole new range of how this song is is put a, put forward and across, and it will change the genre. It will change the blah blah blah. Um, which, by the way, talking about that, I love Justin Bieber's uh, sort of recent song, Bam Bam. You heard that? Was it him or Ed Sheeran? Might be Ed oh Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Ed Sheeran did it. I'm pretty sure, yeah. And I loved the, I loved the mix of styles. Yeah. And so, but this is the whole point of the idea that as you re- refine it, you get something different as you go. And the other thing is, is that nobody else. Well, I mean, there'll be a few else, but in popular music, like Latin music, has come up every now and then. Um, but it's not really hitting the mainstream. So they're going, oh, okay, nobody's doing that. I mean, right. who knows? Yeah, this is probably right. yeah. probably part of it is it's like you're looking for things that other people aren't doing. And it's freaking Ed Sheeran, the most English little uh, sort of Eng- – he's so pasty white yeah. and red hair, and he's <laughs> this short guy, and he's – It's a little leprechaun. A little leprechaun. <laughs> And that's what makes it so, um, like, that's what made me, like, really listen. Like, Flip, how's he going to pull this off? And he did. Yeah. Um, let, uh, let's f- factor in collaboration in here for a second. Like, mm. I'm really curious what you think about this because 
this is really tough to do a lot of the time. If you have an idea that you're like, this is my baby. And then oh. this happens in songwriting all the time, but I imagine it happens in a lot of other areas too, is where and when and how do you go and show that idea to others and then collaborate with them to make a better product? Yeah. And I think it's different between the one-off because when it's a one-off, you kind of, I think there's a bit of give and take, but when it's a consistent collaborate, like we're doing this podcast or I was the first people that came to my head where this went terribly was Simon and Garfunkel, just musical geniuses of their time and then just ended up hating each other. And um, a lot of it was to do with the style of where they wanted to take. And they both had ownership in this thing. Um, and I still listen. Like I've got some of their songs um, on my favorites list. Just, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how to navigate. I think you have to be, you have to have a, a, a trust with the people you're working with trusting that they can collaborate as well um i don't know what do you think yeah that's a really interesting point that you bring up about when it goes wrong because there's another one that comes to mind um the civil wars the group it's a duo that they they were doing so well um and uh, they weren't married they both i think they both had separate partners but you'd be, you know, you're collaborating all the time and you're together all the time. I imagine it would be an interesting dynamic between that and their married partners, but oh, oh, I think one of one of them was married. I don't know if the guy was. That's even more interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting and then all the rumours about it and whatnot, but mm. I, I don't know if that's what made them split up in the end, but it did get to the point where they, they had a big falling out and mm. it it completely died. So that's the doubt. That's definitely the, the negative or the, the worst case scenario in collaboration is that it ends up like that. And I think that's what we're all afraid of. We're afraid of that, but we're also afraid of just showing something close to us that we're vulnerable about maybe. And we're scared of going, Oh, actually, you know, you're right. You've got a, that's a really good point. And, or we're scared of them saying that's actually just a terrible idea and you should just, not do it. And you have to really have kind of thick skin as a creative because that's happening all the time. Yeah. And I think, cause I definitely used to be like that. And the, the more that I'm able to actually show my ideas to others and go, what do you think? And just be like, whatever they say is whatever they say, take their criticism. If it's, if it's worthwhile, then take it on board. If it's, if you're like, I see what you're saying, but I'm going to do this anyway, Yeah. then just do that. But I think, yeah, being open to it is really, really difficult. But I think collaborating with others often brings about a better product in the end. Yeah. Like, but how do you find it when, because I found this, like I'll share my idea with somebody and they'll, they'll, I'll ask for their feedback. They'll raise all these objections and then I find myself trying to explain to them, like, no, 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 no th- th- this is what I mean. And in a sense, I become more defensive of my idea. But I'm really just trying to get across to them, no, 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 no you didn't get, you didn't get my idea right. You know, you didn't see, you didn't feel what I felt. You didn't see what I 
and and how do you deal with that? And ha- because that's an important part of this refinement process. It is. And the thing that you don't get when you're by yourself is the other perspectives, you know, other people's perspectives. You don't, you can get so siloed by yourself in your own little world thinking that your idea is amazing. And anybody who doesn't see how amazing it is just isn't as switched on or as clever as you are. And these are very much real feelings that come up when you're a creative of like, oh, they just don't get it. Yeah. They're, they're just, they just don't understand how brilliant this is. Um, so you think that's quite common? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's quite important for to see how it lands with somebody else. And there's the flip side of this would, would be, oh, you show it to one person and they go, oh, I don't really understand it. You're like, I mean, just in terms of like a sample size, that's not really a a very good sample size. Like if you're doing a research project and you just, did your testing on one person. Yeah. That would be a terrible research project. Yeah. The research would be awful because the sample size is tight is useless. Yeah. It doesn't, you've got to have enough people that it shows a proper graph or proper results of whatever you're trying to investigate. And of course you're not going to necessarily do that with a creative idea, but I guess what I'm saying is, Maybe if you had, like, you see some of these really cool songs and then you look at the songwriters and there's like five or six songwriters. Yeah. And it's one person might have just done the bridge or maybe one of the verses. And that's really, really fascinating to me. And how they, some of these high end songwriters can just get out of the way and go, no, let's, you know, do with it what you want. Yeah. And uh, do you, so do you think then that, the the communication of your idea when you're putting it to other people like it's quite important that phase right um how do you do that in a way that you feel justifies and represents your idea to the best well i think part of this might be just you've got to be a machine at just throwing out ideas like and i think this is where i've seen a lot of songwriters fall down or just it's a classic like they'll have a couple of songs and then put you know present one to somebody and if they don't get a positive reaction they're just like no this is my baby stuff you Mm. like i'm gonna just sing it like this anyway it's like fine you can sing it like that you just it won't be as good of a song um and so i think you just have to be really i don't know you're just like if an idea doesn't work onto the next one yeah, and that this is the thing that people don't realize is some of the great inventions of our time, maybe they do realize it, but we forget it in the creative process because we're so in love with it. Some of the greatest inventions of our time, it was like the couple of hundredth time that these guys managed to, to nail the invention because they failed so much. And in that sense, it didn't fa- failure wasn't so bad because they did it behind closed doors there wasn't, and but sometimes it's not. Sometimes there is public funding. Sometimes there is, um, but if if you think about how many times uh, Thomas Edison had a go at the light bulb, if it was actually, if it was day. actually Thomas Edison, how many goals Thomas Edison had at stealing a light bulb? <laughs> <laughs> and and but it is. It's a it's a it's um, 
the idea is, I think, acknowledging that that is a normal process to refine beyond recognition is is a normal part of the process. And here, let's go deep for a second and talk about ego and how our mind attaches itself to things and goes, this is me. And yeah. I think this happens with ideas. We, we come up with an idea and then we're so attached to it and our ego is so attached to it that if somebody is denying that idea, it's like they're denying us. Yeah. And so I think it's so important to distance ourselves from our creativity or from our ideas as not being us. Yeah. And go, like... I don't know. I, I've 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 hit this so many times. You know, of like spending hours on like a a piece of graphic design for a client, right? You spend hours on it, and you just love it. You've fallen in love. You've done the unpardonable sin of falling in love with your own design, yeah. and then you're so attached to it. You show it to the client, and they're like, "Uh, I don't really like it," or maybe try it like <laughs> this, and you you get worked up, your emotions boil over and you're like, you idiot. How? No. How did you like, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. yeah. Cause you've, you've just poured four out. You've stayed up till like one in the morning creating this thing. And you've spent four <laughs> hours on it and you're in the thick of it. You're in the heat of it. Like drunk, that is like the classic. Yes, exactly. You're drunk on your own design. You, this is the classic. And I've fallen into this trap a few times, but it's the classic pitfall of what it means to create is that this happens and you really have to distance yourself because like I've gone and looked at that same design like two months later when you've got fresh eyes and you're like it's all right I guess it's it's okay I just got way too attached yeah and um I let myself become so yeah, so clingy to that thing that if that thing is rejected, then I'm rejected. Um, and this is, the, by the way, the difference between a small business and a big business. And I'm learning this as well because um, I look back at my logo and, and even the name of my business now and I'm like, what the heck was I doing? And it's not that it's bad. It's that I was so attached to something. And then I watched a design show where they were designing a logo for the business. And by the end of it, the guy was so attached to his business that he, I can't remember if he threw the idea out. We watched it together. It was a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so good. How did that end? Um, I think he ended up liking the new one, but right, he was very attached to his, his very on the nose logo. He, he was trying to cram every single thing into his logo. They're making like this big sentimental. Yeah. As every one of their values of like all of their mission statements, they were trying to put all of that into their logo. And it was just this really, it, doesn't work. Bus- it was a busy mess. Di- but this is the, this is the, the mental shift of going, okay, I am ru- I think people get into a place where they think they're running an extension of their self. And you need to be willing to divorce yourself from that idea and go, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here, you know, as a business person, whatever the idea is, I'm here to make money. And the only way I'm going to make money is by hiring a professional to do what I can't do because I'm not a graphic designer. And this is something I found working on all these outsourcing sites such as Fiverr and Upwork and that you hire people to do something 
and they get they're not professionals they get attached to their ideas they they send them to you you don't like them they get upset and leave you a bad review you get upset and leave them a bad review and really a professional is somebody who can not only come up with an idea um but work with you and help you divorce yourself from your attachment which is incredibly hard to do absolutely and this comes back to so many of the things that we've discussed in earlier episodes or last season even um imposter syndrome and the classic one is like if you're not feeling the work that you're doing at the time you think you suck or you think you're not good enough as an artist or whatever and never i think so many creatives go through this they if if they're not feeling their work that day, they think that they're just useless as an artist or as a designer or anything like yeah. that. And that I think that definitely comes back to this wound or this imposter syndrome, this something inside you that is, <laughs> I don't know, the driving force almost of why you do what you do is that that hurt. that, And then if somebody rejects it, it's like, oh, you just proved Mm. you just proved what I already knew deep down and so I think you've got to be this also links back to presence while you're creating of just being present in the moment and enjoying it for what it is so that even if you do end up rejecting the idea or you know leaving it and not using it you're not so attached to it because you're like I just actually was enjoying myself while I was making it and I'm not so attached to the outcome that it has to be used for something necessarily. I just, I was enjoying the process as I was doing it. I mean, and also like I have so many iterations of designs when I make them, you know, like I'll make a design and there'll be about five or six different variations of the same thing by the time I'm finished. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I usually struggle to be able to pick one and go, yeah, I think that's the best. Yeah. I, I Sometimes I am. Sometimes there's like lots of clarity and you can go, that's definitely the best. No, hands down. And that still small voice inside of you is like, yeah, I know that I know that that's the best one. Yeah. there's That happens sometimes. But more often than not, I've finished a project at the end and I've got five versions that I'm tossing up between. And I could literally just flip a coin and, yeah. <laughs> and pick one that I like, but I think that's important to exhaust all of the possibilities of where it could go. Yeah. And this is really important when you're designing for clients as well is go, if they bring it up and go, Oh, I actually wanted the song to be more in this style. And you're like, well, I actually tried that and it doesn't work because X, Y, Z. So you've kind of exhausted the possibilities of where it could go. And you're like, these are the reasons um, I can show you a sketch of an idea in that style um, and in my thoughts about what's wrong with it. But if you wanted to go down that direction, this is what we could do. Yeah. And that's knowing what, what you want it to do, because this is the whole point of the refinement of ideas. You're trying to fulfill um, a, a motive, an idea, a creation of something and there's an objective in that. Like you want to make somebody experience or feel something. You want to make somebody get an idea or a concept. Um, you want to make somebody um, you know, buy something or whatever. And I think a great way to guide people, if you're the designer, 
or if, and I've learned this through my own, um, not being a designer, but being a client, I've learned that a lot of times I don't really know what I'm doing and that's why I'm coming to you. And I need you to take the lead to show me how this is going to complete the idea. And another one was when we were doing songwriting for the Renew EP, where I would come in with these ideas and I'd write this song, I'd be, you know, attached to it or whatever, and I'd put it forward to the group and, yeah, we love it. And I'm like, dude, I it sucks. I need help, you know. I need you to guide me. How can I communicate the idea that I'm trying to communicate in this song so that people go, ah, I get it. And um, Jason was really good at giving some advice around that because he wasn't afraid of offending me, I think. Um, And you can't be afraid of offending people. But yeah, working that out to a, a, a reference point where you're not attached to ideas. I think ideas are like seeds. They have to be broken in order to they have to be crushed in order to produce something and if you don't crush an idea it never hatches into it never breaks open to become the great thing that it's supposed to become i just think that that brings up a really good point and possibly a good way to draw this to a close is um from Eckhart Tolle talks about in his in his book the power of now he talks about how everything goes in cycles and we often get, we look at just the life and the growth and forget about the part of the circle, which is the death. And it's all in the same circle, but we turn a, turn our heads away from the growth. And he talks about how if things only grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger, they end up becoming monstrous. Like mm. they overtake things and there's, the growth, uh, sorry, the death is actually a really important part in the puzzle. And there's so many reasons why the death of an idea is important or, or the death of something creative is important, just like in nature, you know, and this is evident in so many things in nature. And I might just read some of this and um, see what you think, because I was, I was reading this yesterday, it was really hitting me, but it was dissolution is needed for new growth to happen and one cannot exist without the other the down cycle is absolutely essential for spiritual realization you must have failed deeply on some level or experienced some deep loss or pain to be drawn to the spiritual dimension or perhaps your very success became empty and meaningless and so turned out to be failure Failure lies concealed in every success, and success in every failure. In this world, which is to say, on the level of form, everybody fails sooner or later, of course, and every achievement eventually comes to naught. All forms are impermanent. You can still be active and enjoy manifesting and creating new forms and circumstances, but you won't be identified with them. You do not need them to give you a sense of self. They are not your life, only your life situation. And your physical energy is also subject to cycles. It cannot always be at a peak. There will be times of low as well as high energy. There will be periods when you are highly active and creative, 
but there may also be times when everything seems stagnant, when it seems that you are not getting anywhere, not achieving anything. A cycle can last for anything from a few hours to a few years. There are large cycles and small cycles within these larger ones. Many illnesses are created through fighting against the cycles of low energy, which are vital for regeneration. The compulsion to do and the tendency to derive your sense of self-worth and identity from external factors such as achievement is an inevitable illusion as long as you are identified with the mind. This makes it hard or impossible for you to accept the low cycles and allow them to be. Thus the intelligence of the organism may take over as a self-protective measure and create an illness in order to force you to stop so that the necessary regeneration can take place. The cyclical nature of the universe is closely linked with the impermanence of all things and situations. That's so good. So good. Um, but yeah, that that realization or drawing our attention to the fact that things happen in cycles, I think is really, really helpful. And I, I was blown away by that part about, you know, energy. We think we're always supposed to be hustling, doing more and being more. But the fact that <laughs> that's a cycle as well. And sometimes you are super creative and just bursting at the seams with creative ideas and sometimes you're not and in those times where you're not they're not worse they're not bad mm. they're part of the cycle this is the ultimate thing for fitness people as well isn't it that you can't be i don't know very many people outside professional circles who remain at the peak of fitness their whole life and it's, it's, it's an insane idea that you can and that, that it's healthy for you. And when you look at some of those who do that, um, they have enormous health complications. Thinking of Dave Goggins, who just insanely fit. Uh, I think he's in his 50s now. He has to stretch two hours a night to just not f let his body fall apart. And he's continually going for operations. And it's the reminder that rest is part of the cycle, that downtime, that not creating is is part of the creative cycle. Um, getting an idea is part of the creative cycle, refining it's part of the creative cycle, letting it die is part of the creative cycle. And I think that reading just perfectly captured that um, movement if that's a good word definitely and it's it's about not being attached to any particular thing you're good at as well like um, he also talks about in another part about an actress that he read about that was so attached to this. her her good looks and then when she got older she suddenly was like really struggling because as her looks withered away like a flower withering away she felt like she was useless, I guess, or not had no value anymore. And this is so important. And you, I've thought about this too a number of times when you, some of the, like, the stars when I was a kid, you know, like the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, the Jennifer Anistons, the, that guy that plays Han Solo, what's his name? Can't remember. Han Solo. 
um, Star Wars, Harrison Ford. Yes. And these ones that now are like pushing 60, maybe even 70. If, you know, they'll be going through this. Yeah. And if they haven't had, I know you'll love talking about this, but Jim Carrey, he, he's, oh, he's awesome. an example of one who's actually done this well. Who's like, no, no, I, it's okay. I don't, I don't need to be the star anymore. The thing about Jim Carrey that is different maybe from these other actors is he relied on his looks in a different way. He didn't need to look good. He just needed to look funny. And um, he's managed to detach himself from that. I wonder if it's a harder thing for uh, especially female actresses who have built a career around looks to find their identity outside of that and turn up in sweatpants at Walmart. You know what I mean? Like just, yeah, it's the same you and it doesn't matter what pictures people take of you, but every time a picture comes out of like a really like inappropriate picture of like, Oh, Britney Spears, here's Britney Spears when she's, uh, you know, overweight or whatever. And it's like, dude, that must be hard. Yeah, definitely. And the, there was nothing that really, well, one thing that particularly showed this well was the Friends reunion that came out not too long ago. Yeah. And it, that was quite a shock. Like when some of those actors came yeah. in and you're like, oh my goodness. Like, it's just so bizarre seeing them so much older. Is so and like then, normal looking. <laughs> yeah. Or some of them, you know, this might be overweight or like, yeah. um, haven't aged particularly well. And it's just like, man, there must be so much story and struggle that's gone on from the, the early success of them as teenagers or early twenties mm. acting in this show. That was such a hit. And I know one of them in particular really struggled and, I think one of them got addicted to drugs and and stuff like that. And of course, I'm not here to judge. No, that's not the point here. The point is just the observation of yeah, the yeah. observation, the passing of time, the way that we get attached to things. And if you are successful like that, man, it would be so much harder. And it, it, but this is why it's so important to talk about now, is because it almost it doesn't stop you from that happening to you. That's the thing. But it prepares you to be aware of what is happening to you as it happens. And that's a huge asset, I think. Yeah. And so you, when the time comes, you're, not, you're, you're able to let it go. Yeah. You're sitting there freaking out, going, it's okay to freak out, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's a huge comfort. And you know what decisions to make, um, not to avoid it, but you know what decisions to make to mature in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I, I could talk about this for hours. Um, great episode. Any final thoughts about refining an idea before we close? Just don't give up. That's good. Just keep keep letting it become something new. Yep. And um, keep firing those ideas out. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you get knocked back by a comment or a an idea that just completely bombs, but keep going, keep firing out the ideas and uh, don't be afraid to refine them, to change them, to show them to other people, see what they think. 
That's good. And let me just add this. I was told once somebody said to my face and I was like, it was real hard to take. And they're like, man, you have a lot of ideas and most of them suck. And I was like, wait, somebody said that to you? Somebody said that to me that, you know, and uh, I remember thinking like I took that on and I was like, I, my ideas suck, but I didn't realize that Generally, only you need one good idea out of a hundred, and that's the one that carries you. I think that's like that for everybody, but that same comment, but most people just don't risk it because it's a risk to put an idea out there, and most people are just playing it safe and relying on other people's ideas to do anything. So that's that's a very uh, uh, cowardice thing to say because – that's true for most people. Yeah, I think they were, I think they said it because they, I don't think they said it with any malice. I think they were just trying to say like, look, you need to rein back your ideas a little bit here. Um, it's too much. And I think I, I needed some tact in knowing I'm an external processor and knowing who to process around because it overwhelms people. If they're, if they're not the creative type and they're hearing you fire off 10 ideas for, you know, ways that you can spend enormous amounts of money, of their money, and, um, you know, that freaks people out. Yeah, that's good. And that's a good reflection on that. Because um, there is there is an element in that that can definitely be taken on board and applied. So to separate that out from the harsh way that it was said is good and good learning well very good great episode thanks for listening everyone thanks so much for listening everybody my main takeaway from today's episode is that vulnerability is so important for sharing our ideas with others and healthy collaboration is an important part of progressing ideas and moving a creative project forward If you'd like to support the show, head over to our Instagram page and give it a like and a follow. And if this episode helped you, then consider sharing it with a friend. Alright, I'll see you all on the next one. Keep it fresh.